the the biggest compliment for me is when people For sure, yeah, there's pressure. Uh, I've actually gone on hiatus twice. Favorite motorcycle of all time, it's gotta be my 250L. I just, because. Hello, and welcome back to the Motorcycle Adventures podcast. This is episode 57. My name is John, and on today's episode, We've got a Pacific Northwest native. He's a motorcycle adventurer, off-road rider, and YouTube creator, Dork in the Road. So listeners, please do me a tremendous favor and follow a Dork in the Road. So it's Dork in the Road on YouTube and Facebook and at a Dork in the Road on Instagram. And without further ado, let's get into episode 57 with Dork in the Road. I need a game in my house, and maybe you played it before, but it's that... Ivan Stewart, super off-road. Yeah, I played the shit out of that as a kid. Dude. <laughs> Gotta spin the wind all day. Yeah, I think my my uh, my girlfriend has a Switch, so I can jump on there and mess around on it. Some of the retro games, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing's quite like playing that in an arcade. Yeah, and I would, I would break whatever version they had these days. <laughs> the way I played that thing back in the day. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, totally appreciate your time. I know how valuable that is. So thanks for doing this. Um, so I've been watching, I think I've been watching your YouTube channel probably about eight months, maybe a little bit more. And, uh, the whole time I've been thinking, well, I should ask you, ask you on, but, um, you're over on the other side of the mountains here in Oregon and that's where I grew up. So, when I see your videos, I see a lot of familiar areas and a lot of places I kind of grew up riding. So it's pretty cool to kind of uh, have somebody bring some attention to that side of the state. Yeah, well, we're blessed. It's good everywhere in this state. You're never more than an hour away from a great place to ride. So I think this is good timing because you just picked up a new bike last week, right? Can you kind of walk us through that? Well, there's a whole backstory, which I don't know how into you want to get, but... Uh, Let's go. I've been riding my 250L for two three years three years now yeah three years now love that bike taking it everywhere trail ridden it you know been all over the woods um and it's interesting because i was on a ride with my buddy i don't know a couple weeks a month ago and i've just been like i've always been kind of a putt around the woods kind of guy like that was always my i'm all about scenery not so much about you know the hardcore i'm gonna go off jumps and do super technical stuff or whatever, but I've just been playing around with some techniques like a uh, small practical wheelie, as they call it on cross training, enduro skills, stuff like that. And I did one the other day and that was like, I don't know what it was. It's like it unlocked some kind of switch in my brain. And I was like, Hmm, there's a whole nother level to this game. So, uh, I just started thinking about how much nicer it would be to have maybe a little more powerful, little lighter is not the right word because that the one I ended up with actually weighs the same, but, um, but a more well-equipped, more capable bike and, that led to a conversation, a few conversations about a DRZ or a 450L, and then wasn't going to do it. And then my wife, it's so funny how we work things out in our marriages, which I love. But um, my mom had some stray kittens hanging around, and there's this one gray one my wife really wanted. And I've been pretty adamant that we don't need any more pets. But as we're leaving, I was like, no, we're not taking that thing home. She's like, what if you got another motorcycle? And I was like, you make an interesting point. <laughs> and so it led to a whole conversation. And anyway, 
Um, came down to the 450 dollars the DRZ, and I actually have a video coming out on Saturday about why I went with the DRZ, but um, I picked up a DRZ 400S. I got a 2020 because in the Pacific Northwest, the used market is crazy. Like, I had a body... I had a buddy who sold his 2017 two weeks ago before I knew I was buying one. Um, he sold a 2017. He listed it for 5,500. Sold it for six grand. Wow! And uh, so the market is sparse right now and overpriced. And let's just say I paid less than a thousand more than that for a brand new one. Um, now, admittedly, I got to put accessories on it, but Suzuki's got a $300 accessory credit when you buy a new bike right now too. So I got tires, handguards, grips, pegs all taken care of. So that's nice. Um, but been riding that quite a bit, pretty stoked about it. Um, picked up a seat concept seat for a hundred bucks used. Thanks to a, a subscriber, a friend of the channel, had it out a few times. It's amazing. It's a, a and no offense to my 250. I love that bike. Still probably my favorite motorcycle of all time. And I'm pretty excited that my, I'm transitioning my daughter to it. But, um, Wow, like this is the DRZ is just so fun on the street too. I see why they're so popular supermotos. It's just it's got a throttle that just begs to be twisted. So um, I'm pretty excited to get out and and maybe even I've done some trail riding, but it's never been a huge thing for me. But I've always had sort of a sluggish, heavy, soft suspension motorcycle. So I'm eager to get out and try it again on the DRZ and see what the difference is. Maybe if it's something I'll like more than I have in the past. Sure, little comparison and contrast between the two. You still, yeah, you still have the Honda. Your daughter's going to transition to that. So, ah, interesting. Um, one question I got for you. I know where you're located over there in the valley. So, you've got to commute a little bit to get into some riding, but also I know there's a lot more private land over there. And I've noticed in quite a few of your videos, you know, you're running into gates, right? Things get closed down. You can't get out. Is that frustrating for you or are you used to it by now? Well, let me, first caveat is I like to go out in the woods and just see where roads go. So, cause I, every time I hit a gate in a video, someone comments, you know, why don't you just use Onyx or an app that would, and I could do that. Right. But I just, so it's kind of a running gag. Like I hit a gate and I'm like, Oh, another dang gate. So I turn around. Um, so part of it is poor planning on my part, fully hundred percent admit that. But, uh, I've tried, I know I can get up in the national forest and ride wherever I want. It's just, that's an hour from here, right? Um, or 45 minutes in the other direction if you go out to Mary's Peak. So I've just been trying to find local stuff that's that's green on the map. Or what's really frustrating to me, honestly, is places because I grew up here too. Um, places that were open to me when I was a kid and a teenager, right? That I that I knew I could get into the woods are closed now. Everywhere, it's like when Warehouser took over, everything got closed off, and I understand why. Like. I get that there are jerks up there dumping garbage and setting fires. It just frustrates me because I just want to putt through and, you know, see the sights and enjoy the wilderness. So it is frustrating to hit gates once in a while. I could plan my adventures a little bit better, but it has turned into kind of a fun running joke meme on the channel that I keep hitting them. I'm not here to bash on warehouse or anything, but um, I've seen you up at Shotgun and I kind of grew up riding there. And when Willamette owned that and that was all open to riding, that was probably one of the biggest trail systems in Oregon. And I would even say or argue with people that it's more technical than Tillamook. I mean, there is some steep, gnarly, and there is no uh, clay like that anywhere else on earth. That is the slickest stuff. And yeah, it's still, and the stickiest. I still have clay on my 250 from the first time I rode it there three years ago. 
Yeah, it'll it'll stain your bike too if you don't get it right off. Yeah, it doesn't go away. But you know, you get into uh, the heat of summer, July, August. That was one of the best places to ride because you were undercover. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was a shame to see that that go away and kind of transition. I mean, I get it. We've got a legitimate OHV area there now, but it is definitely not the same. Yep. Yeah, Shogun is so hilly. I burned up a clutch there on the 250L, actually. That place has probably claimed a few clutches, if I had to wager to say. <laughs> That's my, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, it was one of those things. You know, if you come in from, like, the Marcola side, there used to be a lot of four-wheeling out there, and people would tear that stuff up, and I, I get why it was ultimately closed down, too. Yeah, the frustrating thing, and again, I guess we're not bashing on Warehouser specifically, but you can buy a pass to get into their lands, but you can't ride a motorcycle. You have to be in a truck, which is funny because I can't haul a bunch of garbage up there to dump in my motorcycle. Yeah, definitely. So if we rewind a little bit, when did you first get into motorcycling? It's kind of, it's funny you ask because I literally yesterday, a Facebook memory popped up and it was my first bike that I bought. Um, so the first motorcycle that I bought and owned and rode was just four years ago, uh, the, the 2016 Honda CB500F. But I actually got my endorsement in high school. Um, my dad paid for me to take the class because we were going to rebuild this. He had two bikes. We were going to take the parts and put, turn them into one. And we sort of worked on it, but it kept running into problems and it just basically never materialized. And so I had my endorsement since I was 17 years old, but I didn't start riding until really riding until four years ago when I got my 500F, um, rode it for a year and watched way too many Everride videos and decided <laughs> I really needed to get a dual sport, uh, much to my wife's chagrin when I was like, hey, I got an idea, another motorcycle, it'll be awesome. Um, but I grew up, I grew up in, in Sweet Home and grew up driving around in the woods and I just really wanted to get back out there. Uh, I just miss kind of being up there and exploring and I couldn't think of any better way to do it than on a motorcycle and it just the seed got planted and I had I'm just so glad that I finally took the plunge and because back then I was riding street my channel started out as like a general motorcycling channel it wasn't even until really like a year ago that I really doubled down on the off-road riding stuff which is kind of what my actual passion is. I've actually moved out. I had I don't even have any full street bikes anymore. I just sold my Versus, but I, I bought an F Twin because I want to ride off road um, as much as possible. And damn, that thing is capable. It's terrifyingly capable for its size. Um, so, but that's my primary focus. And then it's just nice to be comfortable on the way. But I don't ride on the street a ton. Yeah, it's it's more for transitioning these days. And yeah, the adventure bikes are crazy now. We were in this place. Over Memorial Weekend, I was riding with my dad and my brother-in-law, and they were on 500s. We ended up in this place called the Black Hills, which who knew Oregon had the Black Hills? But uh, it was hell. It was just these huge rocks for, I don't know, 20 miles, and they just beat the crap out of you. So you're going pretty slow. We're out there for a few hours, but the old 790 just kind of soaked it all up. And I'm I like, bet. And, then, and, you know, this bike's like two, 200 plus more pounds more than those 500s. I think they were kind of taken back by, you know, the way we were able to carve through there on that thing. But, yeah, they're just going to get better, too. That's the crazy part. Yeah, that is scary. I'm, I'm st- I want to ride a Tenere sometime. I mean, that Tenere 700 looks like it's going to be a great hybrid. Yeah, I was I was stuck on YouTube a couple of days ago watching kind of the launch. You know, all the, the magazines got to ride it. Interesting machine. I'd like to try it out. I know... From an off-road perspective and a racing perspective, Yamaha has pretty 
amazing suspension stock. Um, so I'd like to get a feel for, for that bike as opposed to, you know, what I'm riding now, but yeah, it's good to see more people kind of throw their hat in the ring. Yeah. Well, I, what adventure and dual sport are the only segments of the motorcycle industry that are still growing. So yeah. it's, they're finally putting some engineering and resources towards it. So I'm looking, I'm looking at Kawasaki and Suzuki now and saying, okay, what's your, what's your next move? Well, my luck, they'll come out with a new DRZ next year or something. Oh yeah. It'll be, it'll be so sweet too. So you've got more more bikes than obviously just the DRZ. If you could kind of reflect over the past four years of riding, uh, which one's been your favorite so far? Uh, well, probably like my favorite motorcycle of all time. It's got to be my 250L. I just because one, I wish I'd started on it because that bike, and I'm and I'm really realizing this watching my daughter. She's learning to ride it with a clutch because she had a CRF 110. Um, and we've been out two nights at the fairgrounds and she's riding it like a pro, like that thing. It's just so smooth for giving easy to ride. Um, it, it may be the best first motorcycle in the world, in my opinion. Um, it's just such a well-designed sort of easy forgiving machine. Um, and I just have a lot of, a lot of memories on that one. I think I really discovered a lot of things literally about the outside world, but also about myself on that bike. So um, the 250L is easily my favorite. Um, one of the reasons why, well, one factor in getting the DRZ instead of the the, CR, the 450L was the price of the 450L is so high, I would have felt like I have to sell my 250L. But with the DRZ, I felt like I could justify keeping it, uh, which is because I can watch my daughter learn to ride on it. And that super proud dad moment to watch, you know, my favorite kid riding my favorite motorcycle and know that we're, we're on the cusp of some amazing adventures. So easily my 250L. Um, I love my Africa twin though. That thing is so fun to ride basically any condition. And it's just crazy. The stuff that I can, and I'm not even a great rider, but that I can do on it. I can't, you watch like Mad Mick, like the mid Valley, uh, the, the Australian MVBDR, their, their channel, those guys, mm -hmm. he just rides that thing. Like it's insane what he can do. So I know it's nice to ride bikes that I know are more capable than I'll ever be. Because the bike will never let me down. I will always fail it, which is nice. But easily my 250L. Love my Africa Twin, but the DRZ, man, that thing's creeping up. It's so fun to ride. It's I like find myself going out and just sitting on it in the garage. Like new bike fever or whatever. Okay. So we've talked about the bikes a little bit. Now, I've personally seen on your YouTube channel you riding areas like Browns, Huckleberry, Sandy M Pass, Shotgun Creek. Of those or, or any others, what have been your favorite OHV areas so far? That's probably a tie between Huckleberry and, um, and Browns. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I like Huckleberry because you can get on the trail and go forever, and they're mostly there's a lot of greens that are well-connected, right? So if you just want kind of a leisurely trail ride with a few sort of technical moments, um, it's such a great spot on the one side. So there's the hilly side and the not hilly side. So if you stay down on the left um, – you go all day. So that's a, like the perfect place for a beginner to kind of get their feet underneath them. Uh, I like Browns because I love camping at Browns and then riding the trails, um, coming back and kind of having the, the base camp set up and moving back and forth. That's pretty fun. The campground there is pretty nice and uh, inexpensive. I think the trails are really well maintained at, at Browns. I'm always impressed because every year you go out and they've made a bunch of improvements. Um, so it's a tie. We often, it's a toss up because it's about the same drive to get to Huckleberry as it is to get to, to Browns. I like Huckleberry because it's a lot emptier most of the yeah, time. Yeah. Which is nice. Browns is pretty busy unless you go during the week. Um, I will tell you not to 
not to crap on your childhood nostalgia, but uh, we started at Shotgun, and I have to tell you, that's not a beginner-friendly place in my experience. There are green trails there that I feel like are more technical and difficult than blue trails I've ridden elsewhere. Um, just because of the hills, like you're saying, and I think it gets ATV'd and rutted up quite a bit, so I've got... And it could be that I started there on my stock tires, and so I have a bad a bad first experience, but um, we struggled a bit at, at Shotgun. Yeah, it was it was different back in the day. It was super technical, but uh, most of it was single track. And, you know, if you can imagine back in the mid-90s, there really wasn't that many people riding out there. So you didn't have to really contend with, I'll, I'll call it overuse. Um, but it, it was just different. But I went back there, I think, in 2016, last time I rode there on my 350. And it was a lot different, for sure. And, yeah, I would, I would wager to say it is not a really beginner-friendly area just because – you're constantly going up or down, which, you know, whoever's riding there, it leads them to kind of either rut it up one direction or the other. You're either on the brakes or on the gas, you know, going uphill. So, and then again, there's that soil, which a lot of the topsoil is gone too. So if you can imagine the clay with nothing, it, it just turns kind of icy. Yeah, it is the slickest stuff. Like, it's crazy. And it gets soupy, soupy. And I, and again, I know we already said it, but I can't believe how sticky that stuff is. Like, my bike... We'll never be clean again. Yeah, one plug for uh, Huckleberry. Some of the trails, or most of the trails, there are directional. So theoretically, theoretically, you should have to worry about meeting people. Um, but I never let my guard down either. No, you can't. But directional is a very nice peace of mind. Yeah, I wish over here at, at East Fort Rock we would. You know, there's I think there's close to 400 miles of trail, but you know, speeds are up. It's pretty open in a lot of spots. I wish that we'd transition to something like that. So it'd be a little bit safer out here too. Yeah. I've got a pretty near head on collision in a video at, at um, Brown's too. And it was right after a big crash too. We were just trying to get back down. So it was an interesting experience, but a guy skidded right up to my front tire. We went side by side. It's crazy. Yeah. It can be sketchy out there. So obviously you'd like to get out and ride, explore new places, check out the landscapes. Is that the ideal or perfect day on the bike for you? I definitely enjoy getting out. And I'm like I, I always say, I'm more. I'm about the scenery. I'm a tourist for the most part. I want to get out and find epic views. I don't mind a bit of technical fun riding now and then. And I feel like with the new bike, I'm probably going to be more into that. But it's always kind of been about getting there in a fun way and then seeing what there is to see out there. So uh, pretty I love amazing scenery and and like hidden gems. Like we rode out to to wolf rock last summer that's you know the largest monolith in oregon it's a thousand foot tall rock and it's out in the middle of the willamette national forest how many people ever see that right or like finding an amazing hidden waterfall things that people just don't see so that's what it's about for me is about that discovery and knowing that i'm seeing things that other people won't see um but when i think about my perfect day kind of thinking forward really my mind has started turning now that my daughter is transitioning to a little bit bigger bike she's 13 uh, and I really, I think I'm, I'm excited about the day and it's going to come sooner than I think where she rides as well or better than I do. And we can just get out and explore and, and, uh, really just experience all that together. So it's like a double whammy. It's like proud dad day. Plus I get to see awesome scenery and, um, don't have to worry about who I'm riding with cause she'll be as good as I am or better. She'll be out riding me very soon. I can already tell like she, we're doing circles in the parking lot over here at the fairgrounds and, I'm watching her and she's goosing the throttle and 
kicking it sideways a little and just doing stuff. like she's not afraid. So that's going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to getting out and doing stuff with her. And then in a few years when she can ride legally on the road too, some longer, uh, more involved trips would be really fun. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that. Any future plans? Uh, I mean, it kind of in, in my wheelhouse, I always love to ride the, the BDRs or things like the continental divide, big rides like that. All right. Is that the future for you? Uh, I'd like to be, I'm working on, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I got, why I wanted to move over to the Africa twin. Uh, I've got my working on my setup and I'm testing all that out, but, uh, I haven't, haven't done a ton of super long distance stuff. I'm more of a, a go out for the day kind of guy I have been. So that's, that's a next step for me. I feel like I, uh, obviously the Oregon BDR is a bucket list kind of thing. I like to go out and try a section or two and then try to do the whole thing at some point. I think that'd be awesome. And then, I mean, who knows? I've evolved so much as a rider in the last four years. Like in another four, I might be like, oh, I'm going to do California to Oregon through Washington all at once or whatever. I don't know. Like that would be pretty amazing someday. I mean, you got to find the funding and the time off work, but. I know. Isn't the, what do they say? The struggle's real, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're, uh, we're debating a ride in Utah, Nevada, or Arizona, or New Mexico in a few weeks. We're like, man. Uh, it's not cheap either, so it's tough to swing all that stuff. Yeah, it's like you always think camping will be cheap just by itself, right? And it's not. Like by the time you pay for gas and food and you know campgrounds and all that, so it's, it should be a cheap getaway when you already own the bike, but it's more expensive than you think. Yeah, unless you just do the old uh, what do they call it, uh, dispersed camping. If you go that route, but still, um, I like to eat. And yeah, that, that food cost thing always seems to get me a little bit. Well, I don't know about you, but my bike likes gas. That too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It doesn't take much to start racking up a bill, but you know, it's all about the memories. Right. Worth it for sure. Uh, question off of social media. We're going to talk a little bit about your, your YouTube channel, which you recently went over what? 10,000 subscribers. Just broke 11. Just broke uh, 11. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's a heck of a accomplishment. Um, and this question is from Anna Backlund. We've actually had her on the podcast before. She's curious what your message or goal might be interacting on social media. That is a fantastic question. That's a tough question. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I think I try really hard to show the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Because I don't know when I consume, and this is not all encompassing, but for a lot of what you watch, if you watch motorcycle videos, it's people that are doing very intimidating things, right? Like they're really, really awesome riders going out and doing amazing stuff. Like even Everide talks about how, oh, you know, I'm just kind of a mediocre old man rider. But then he, there's a literally a video of him jumping up a four foot drop, like on his DRZ or whatever. So I'm like, mm, okay, I can't, I can't do that. So <laughs> I, I mean, I want people to see that. If a guy at 37 years old can buy his first motorcycle and get out there and figure all of this out, that anyone can, right? Like, I want anyone can get out and explore the woods and see the beauty that the state or their state has to offer. Um, you don't have to be in the best shape. You don't have to be young and spry. You don't have to have a million dollars. You just have to get a motorcycle or whatever, right? But in my case, a motorcycle and get out there and ride around and see what there is to see. And so, the the biggest compliment for me is when people get emails and, and comments and stuff. People are like, I bought a 250L because of your videos. I got out in the woods. Like, that's awesome. Like, that is the most 
amazing sort of piece of it. So I want, I want to inspire people to have adventures of their own and, um, and to see that it doesn't matter who you are, you can get out there and make it happen. Uh, so that's why the, the whole internet writing buddy thing, like I just wanted the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, you'd hang out with your buddy in the garage, drinking a beer while he puts a new mod on his bike. I want to duplicate that experience for my subscribers as much as possible. And then this year I've really been focusing on community. So, uh, started a discord show plug for the discord, join the discord. If you want to hang out and talk motorcycles and share pictures and we've got things like photo challenges going and stuff. So, um, hmm, that's really great to interact with the community on a more sort of daily basis. Um, and it's great because those guys and, and girls, everybody really, uh, it's a great place to get advice or toss out ideas. It's so cool to see people like celebrating other people getting new bikes. Um, there's a guy, uh, uh, a guy in Eugene who bought a, a DRZ two days before me, same place. Right. So we are like kind of, we're new bike buddies. And then, um, another, another friend, McLovin, McLovin Moto, who has his own channel, he just bought a DRZ. And, uh, so now we're, there's, we're new bike triplets. Like it's pretty fun. So, so are we going to see a, a, a ride three brand new bikes out there? McLevin and I are probably going out this weekend, um, but I could see that happening pretty soon. I don't know. I've been, I had big plans to do a bunch of group rides this summer, and then COVID kind of derailed a lot of that. So I want to make sure we're doing it safely, and I don't want to be setting a bad example. But I feel like probably smaller rides are okay at this point. I need to circle back around to that. But I want to touch on something you said there about watching YouTube. I mean, if you if you get into this and start watching motorcycle videos, you're right. Most of the time, you're going to see super talented riders doing gnarly stuff. That's what's going to dominate the feed. So I like the. If I had to summarize your channel in in one word, and this is going to sound weird, but I would say it's it's authentic, right? It's in, you know that's you. Whereas I'm getting um, from a lot of channels. I'm not you know passing on any hate here, but it, it it's cut right, right? It's made to look as it's made to look a certain way. So. Right. Take it for what it's worth. But yeah, it's good that you're showing people, you know, there's no reason to be intimidated. You don't have to be a professional rider. You can get out there and explore just like anybody else. Yeah. Well, thank you. That, I think that is a huge compliment. I'm, I mean, that's, that's the intention. I hope it comes across. I often, it's funny because I'll go out in the woods and I even, I usually throw this in the video, but I'll do something stupid and I'll be like, Ugh, I'm going to cut that out of the video. And I almost always leave the thing <laughs> in and me saying that because when I get to editing, I realize one, it's not that bad. And two, that's the point, right? just wait until you see my install video of the um because i'm not a mechanic i always say that right so my i did the case savers on my drz and i don't know why i was just feeling cheeky i bought red rtv um mostly because it was like four cents cheaper and i'm a honda guy so i thought haha funny i bought a suzuki i'll put honda red on it and that video is so funny to watch because over the course of it i'm realizing how stupid that was and how i should have bought clear silicone because it's like man i'm gonna be wiping this stuff off and staring at it forever um I don't know. I just think that stuff, that goofy stuff is fun too. More YouTube stuff. Now, I think, you know, pretty much all of us are kind of up to speed from a broad sense um, on that form of social media. But it's one of those things where you start your channel, you put out some videos, and then you can't really stop, right? If you want to continue to grow, you've got to be super consistent. So I'd be curious to know um, how how tough that is to put out content every week do you feel pressure for sure yeah there's pressure uh, i've actually gone on hiatus twice over the course of three years that i've been doing this and you're absolutely right you can see you look back at the at the analytics the the dump your channel takes when you do that because 
YouTube wants to be promoting content, wants to be promoting channels that are going to keep delivering content because they want people to come to the platform, right? So that's the point. Um, I've really, but this last year, and it's funny because it, it coincided with me kind of deciding to focus on off-road riding, but I've really kind of found a rhythm and some consistency, um, settled on two videos a week. And um, it's interesting. It's, it's good and bad, right? There's definitely pressure to put out content because you, you know that it can't hurt your channel if you don't put out content. But I don't want to, I also don't want to make content just to be making content. Sure. If that makes sense. Like, I don't want stuff to seem like overproduced and like, I went out and filmed this specifically because I thought it would look cool for YouTube. I kind of want it to be more like, here's the chronicles of a bumbling every, everyday dude and his attempts to get out into the woods. Um, but, so there's that pressure, but it's also nice because it's motivation, right? So um, there are days when, I don't know if you have these days, but there are days when I don't want to throw on all my gear, um, go get gas in my bike and head out, right? I would. It's, it's easier to just sit on the couch sometimes and watch other people do that or whatever. Um, and, but when I need to make a video or I need to get some content out, it helps me find that extra piece of motivation and get out, um, make sure my video, my batteries are charged and all that and head up into the woods. And, uh, which is good because I never regret it. I'm never like, ugh, I wish I wasn't up here. It's never about the video, but the video is a night enough of a kick to get, um, to get me out there. And it's really nice to come home. I know I had a good time when I come home and I'm stoked to edit the video right then after writing all because like a 30 minute adventure video takes like four hours to edit, but um, I want to relive it, right? And the other cool thing about having it is, and you think back on rides that you've been on and you have like a vague recollection, you can't remember every single ride, right? But every video I have, or every ride I have a video of, I can remember very clearly because I can go back and revisit it. So that's a huge kind of advantage to have looking back. I love to watch my old stuff and kind of be like, oh my God, I didn't even remember I did that. And getting to watch my daughter kind of grow up on the bike would be sweet. I think, but um, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that and mentioned your high edit. I've taken a high edit from this podcast for what it's worth a couple times, and most recently. And and I've had some people say, "Well, why don't you just crank another one out?" And I've said, I said, "Well, you know, kind of the same thing. If if I record an hour long episode, I'll spend four to five hours editing that thing. As weird as that sounds, and I always thought that the more I did it, the better I'd get, the quicker it'd go. But actually, I just get more meticulous." with each and every one. So, so I got this sick mind, but, um, yeah, I've been in your shoes with the training and the riding like last November. I just didn't want to ride anymore. And that's my passion. I mean, my girlfriend were talking about that last night, but sometimes you just get to that point. So it's good to hear that there are people kind of experiencing the same thing. It doesn't matter how successful you're being either. Like I had a great year and still was like, I think I put too much pressure on myself. It can't, for me, anyway, and you may feel the same way, it, it can't be about the videos, right? It, it, that's not the point. The point is the adventures, and then sharing them is a fun bonus. And making videos is a fun hobby, but if it ever turns into me making content just to make content, I'm probably not going to last very long. I'll lose my motivation. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you've lost it, and, and it's kind of the same thing for me just with a podcast. I got the urge to do a bunch of these and scheduled a bunch of you guys as guests and here we are and I'm super passionate about right now but if I need a week or two off in the future so be it you gotta take care of yourself because if you don't then there'll be no content I'd rather miss a week and never get any more switching gears I had uh, speaking of guests I had Harold on yesterday from Giant Loop killer podcast and um, awesome guy I know he helps out you he helps out me so what's been your favorite Giant Loop product thus far 
Well, the one I get the most use out of is my Diablo tank bag because I've got harnesses on separate bikes and I move it around a ton. It fits all my um, it's all my filming gear in there, so um, that thing is super practical and I beat the crap out of it. It's um, my very first review video uh, for them was that that bag. Uh, it was a super fun. That was me sort of, and actually. Now that I think about it, that was the video where I revealed my face. I went no face for a year, and then it was that Giant Loop Diablo Pro tank bag review video that I finally came out in front of the camera. So that thing is fun, um, but the product I'm like super digging on right now as I'm setting up my Africa Twin for moto camping is the Tillamook dry bag. I'm like, oh yeah, dry bag, that'll be nice. Okay, well I have like a crappy old Walmart dry bag, so I was like, oh, it'll be better quality or whatever. The Tillamook Calling it a dry bag is, is a misnomer because it is a dry bag, but that thing is basically a soft top case for your motorcycle. Um, infinitely versatile with the way you can mount it, opening it from both ends. Like, that is a solid piece of kit. And it turns into a backpack. Like, I just keep finding new features, so I'm super stoked to get out there and use it. And also, I'm stuffing it full, and I've got, like, my tent, sleeping bag. Uh, what else is in there? My grill is in there, my sleeping pad, pillow, uh, my tarp. It just... It's like Santa's sack, the damn thing. I can't fill it up. Yeah, I actually used the, the Tillamook dry bag last year in Idaho for the first time. And, you know, my use was probably pretty common for it. I put my sleeping bag in it. But mm-hmm. like you said, the thing is tough, super thick. I love it. And then, you know, I could put stuff in it uh, when we when we went, uh, were sleeping like in cabins that were, you know, rustic, if you will. Mm-hmm. And turn it into a pillow, too. So That's smart. I like that. If you don't mind sharing any of your, your tricks of the trade, I'd be curious to know um, what you're using to record your videos with. What kind of equipment? Sure. Uh, pretty standard moto vlogging setup. Uh, I actually copied my – copied is maybe the wrong word. I don't know. The, my current setup is based on a video that Jake the Garden Snake made when he set up his helmet two or three times ago. Um, so I'm rocking a – I've got a Hero 7 and the mic adapter because you have to have it gopro if you're out there oh my god get rid of that thing i hate it so much especially when you it sucks because when you go out in the weather like i like to ride in the rain and the snow but i have to have the mic adapter plugged in so i can't keep my gopro waterproof it sucks Mm -hmm. um i have a purple panda lapel mic stuffed up in my chin bar it's actually up on my dual sport helmet that's in the front because it's a little bit longer and i've got it sort of um gorilla tape in front of it because it Honestly, it's too sensitive. It picks up my breathing. I sound like a water buffalo, so i got to muffle the little. But, um, and then I just added, uh, I've got an anchor battery pack that's just zip-tied to my the peak on my MX-9, and now I don't have to switch batteries ever. I can go five, six hours. Um, I could fill up my car before the, the battery pack would die, so that has been very nice. And that's, So that's my primary camera, and then I run, I have a GoPro Hero 7 white that I got on a Black Friday sale as my B camera. So it's the one I set up on a tripod and ride past, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and then uh, I also last December got a, a Mavic Air, so I've been playing with that. Oh, I so, saw that, yeah. Uh, it's but You can only take it out in nice weather, so I haven't used it a lot. Uh, we had a really weird spring weather-wise. And then um, I just bought, and I've only used it in a couple of videos, and this one's mostly for garage videos, and I'll use it moto camping, but I just bought a Lumix G7. And that thing, I can't believe how much better it looks in the garage um, with good lighting. And it's the GoPro is not meant for that type of filming. And every it's looked fine so far, but this is a it's a real upgrade for me. So I'm pretty excited about that. Any advice for would be creators or people on the fence thinking about starting a YouTube channel? Other yeah. than you know, it should be about the ride first, right? 
Right. I mean, yeah, I try to focus on that as much as possible. But um, I, I always say, if you're thinking about doing it, then do it, right? Ernest Hemingway said, if you want to be a writer, then write. You want to be a video maker, go make videos. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly at first. You'll never get better if you don't practice. So don't let, I'm just spouting like, like um, fortune cookie wisdom right now. I've got one more. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Okay. You, you have to get out there and do it imperfectly before, and you'll never be perfect, but that's how you learn, right? You go back and you reflect. I watch my early videos and cringe. It's actually become a thing we do on the weekly live stream. For the last couple weeks, we've watched one of my early videos together and I'll like pause and talk about what I've learned and, and how I've changed and what I would do differently. Um, so it's okay to make videos that aren't perfect, but the point is to make them and share it with your people. And then, um, that's something we talk about on the discord a lot actually is, uh, and it's not like on purpose, but I like to help. I like to think about the help that I would have liked to have gotten. And I'm not huge by any means, but I think back to when I was starting, how nice it would have been to have someone my size just kind of help and give me a boost. So I try to shout out new creators as much as possible, try to send people to their channels um, on our weekly live stream and offer advice and help just kind of based on what I've learned in the Discord. You know, people don't understand things like keywords or um, like you're just asking about camera selection. We talk about that a lot. And I'm not an expert, but I have figured out some things that don't work or that work better than others. And so I'm a teacher by profession. So I really enjoy kind of helping and mentoring is maybe the wrong word, but giving people a boost and trying to just getting a head start that so I don't have to figure things out the hard way like I did. Um, so I guess if you're asking about advice, get up, just go do it and uh, you'll get better as you go. But you'll be excited that you have a record of those rides early on or whatever you choose to make content on. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I appreciate you doing this. I don't want to eat up a bunch of your time, but any parting shots before we go or you want to plug your YouTube channel and uh, plug your Instagram account? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you guys want to come watch an uh, old man ride badly in the woods, middle-aged man ride badly in the woods, um, check out youtube.com slash dork in the road. Um, and uh, Instagram, my, my handle is a dork in the road because I couldn't get dork in the road. So it's a dork in the road. And, Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, took it. Yeah. Um, and the Discord, we'd love to have people join the Discord. And if you want to come hang out with us, the Friday night live stream, Friday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time, we hang out. We do like I have a the wheel of shenanigans. So anytime someone super chats or whatever, we spin it and we do things like everyone takes a drink or I, I have an improv background. So I make up I do we'll play improv games or last week we added dance party to the wheel and then I got copyright strikes. So I'm probably going to take that one off. Uh, but it's a good time. People hang out, come back every week and they seem to enjoy it. So it'd be great to have. More people there always. Oh, and uh, last thing, you going to the uh, the giant loop ride in September? Yeah, yeah. I was very honored to have been invited, and they've even for some reason asked me to like talk a little bit. So I'll do a little presentation. That'll be super fun. I'm stoked, and I'm gonna. I know a lot of awesome people are gonna be there. Are you gonna be there? I think so. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been able to go last weekend, or I think it was last weekend, is what Harold said. Uh, but I think we can go in September. And actually, that's a good time to be over there. A good time of the year to be over there. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't reschedule it for like mid-August or something. Oh, like I'm excited about a late September. That'll be great. Yeah, cool mornings, but the days should be good. And, and like even Harold said, um, if you haven't been up the Steens Mountain Loop Road, that will definitely be open. So, yeah, yeah, cool. must see. 
And I've never seen the Albert, so I'm excited to get out there and experience all that. Just hold your hold your Suzuki wide open out there. <laughs> yep, that's the whole. <laughs> see what we can do. All right, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And listeners, reminder, Dork in the Road on both YouTube and Facebook and uh, Dork in the Road on Instagram. Make sure you give them a follow. And uh, you know what? That's it, listeners. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode. Now that this one is edited and going to be released, I am officially on vacation. So what does that mean for me? Well, we're going to go riding for a week. I'm going to take the 790, the dual sports, possibly my 450XC, just ride, 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 and create a bunch of content. So if you don't follow our social media channels, I would say now would be a good time to start because I'll be pushing out as much content as the LTE service will allow and a lot more once I get back. So at Ben Motorcycle Adventures on both Facebook and Instagram. Got another episode coming out next week with Aaron Long. Really good discussion that we had. But until then, I'm out of here and officially on vacation. Want to send another shout out to Dork on the Road. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, hope to see you in September at the Giant Loop Ride. Peace out.